Hello and welcome to Empire Sports Talk. I am your host, Roman Gennaro. Let's jump right in. On this Sunday, we have two Game 7s, but that's not what I'm here to talk about because we had a very interesting week in sports, so let's jump right into that. In April of 2022, Cleveland Guardians third baseman Jose Ramirez, regarded as one of the best third basemen in baseball, signed a five-year extension that would guarantee him nearly $150 million through the year 2028, which is the largest contract in the history of the Cleveland Indians slash Cleveland Guardians franchise. A lot of people remarked that Jose Ramirez could have gotten a lot more if he had signed with other teams, but Ramirez was not interested in, in going anywhere else but Cleveland because his agent, Rafa Nieves, said... The Guardians told him that they can't afford what he's worth, and he told them he didn't care. He said, $150 million or $200 million, my life is, go- is going to be the same. I'm happier with, hun- with 150 in Cleveland than, 200, than $200 million somewhere else. Now, let's, let's throw out right away that whether it's $150 million or $200 million, that's a lot of money. That's the average Joe response. But when you're talking about a sports contract, you have to talk relative to other players at that position, relative to the salary at that time for for a player of Ramirez's caliber. So let's throw out right away that both of those sums of money would be more than any of us regular Joes would ever see. It's refreshing to see a player like Ramirez say, I'd rather stay where I am for less money than to chase the money somewhere else. Because right now, not just in baseball, but in sports, we don't see a lot of player loyalty. We don't see a lot of, I'm going to stay where I am when I can get more money somewhere else. Because Ramirez even said, I could get a lot more, I don't care. Uh, because Ramirez sensed that, that Cleveland valued him because Cleveland said, we can't pay you what you're worth. All we can pay you is, is 150 And he said, that's fine because you see my worth as a player. And you recognize that maybe you can't match it, but I feel valued in this organization, so I'm willing to stay here. We don't see that a lot now because we're seeing, in not just in baseball, like I said, but in other sports as well, you see the player want the Supermax contract. You see the player want to be the highest paid player at their position, which as far as, as, far as worth, and again, take the millions and millions out of it, but if you're working as an accountant, and you see a fellow accountant get a raise and therefore makes more than you, and you think, hey, I'm a better accountant than that guy, or hey, I'm a better teacher than that person, or hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a better drummer than this other drummer, you th- probably think, hey, I should be making more than this person. Jose Ramirez probably could have been making highest paid third baseman kind of money. But... Loyalty was more important to him because Cleveland had been loyal to him. And Cleveland's not in a position right now to win. Cleveland is rebuilding. Ever since they traded Francisco Lindor, they've been rebuilding. And he understands that. But he'd rather play for them than play somewhere else. And as I said earlier, we're we're in a time in all of sports where we're not seeing a lot of player loyalty right now. All I can The only players I can think of who have played at least big-name players who have played their entire careers with one team at this point that are playing today are... Uh, and, and, and Jose Ramirez has been around for a while, but he's not... I don't count him because he's still a relatively young player. Uh, Joey Votto 
in baseball with the, with the Cincinnati Reds, Brett Gardner with the Yankees, um, Giannis with the Bucks, and Damian Lillard with the Trailblazers. And the, and, the, and the last entry on that list, the Trailblazers are really testing Damian Lillard's uh, loyalty with not doing a great job building around him and, and trading C.J. McCollum. But I feel like, at least in baseball, I feel like we're seeing the end of that loyalty with Joey Votto nearing the end of his career in Cincinnati. Because I think, and I may be wrong, in, in Joey Votto's long career he's been around for a long time I think the Reds have only made the playoffs two or three times so he is really loyal to that city and that fan base over anything else so I think it's refreshing to see a player like Ramirez say I'm gonna stay put I like it here even though right now I think I think Cleveland's on the upswing I think they have a lot of good players there now but they're not in a position to contend they're not in a position to to make the playoffs right now um but I think it's I think it's really really good to see that happen, especially after Anthony after Anthony Rizzo's comments following Freddie Freeman's departure from Atlanta. He said, "If Freddie Freeman's not a brave, there's no loyalty in in sports anymore." And Anthony Rizzo would know because he spent he spent many many years of his career, basically his whole career. He he bounced around between San Diego and. And Boston early in his career, but he spent almost his entire career in Chicago uh, before they were even uh, playoff contenders. Before they won the championship, and and he was just traded. So so if anybody understands being loyal to a franchise and being them deciding to to send you away, it's Anthony Rizzo. With him saying, "If Freddie Freeman's not a Brave, there's no loyalty in sports anymore." I think. I think to an extent he's right. Uh, we we've seen an uptick in player mobility, which I think I think players should be able to decide their own fates. Um, but it's very heavy on I'm going to chase the money because it's what I think I'm worth. And what you see a lot is these players sign these big contracts, and it takes them a couple of years to perform up to the contract. So I like that Jose Ramirez recognized that he was comfortable, recognized that Cleveland was where he wanted to be, win or lose, that's where he wanted to be, and took less money to, to, to make sure he didn't play anywhere else. So, so I, I, I hope we see a resurgence of, of, of player loyalty because, after all, teams like, or players like Joey Votto, Damian Lillard, Jose Ramirez, and, and Derek Jeter back in the day, and Chipper Jones, and these players that played for one team recognize this this team took a chance on me when I was just some kid when I when I was just coming out of high school or coming out of college and had not proven anything this team took a chance on me and for many many seasons they rewarded that um, so I think so I think the player choosing to reward the franchise back is refreshing to see Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans made waves um, shortly after the draft, when he said that he he doesn't want to tutor Malik Willis, who was drafted as his backup in Tennessee. Now, let's not take Tannehill's comments out of context. This is what he said specifically. It shouldn't be my job to mentor him, but if he learns from me, 
If he learns from me along the way, that's great. I want to take a minute and examine both sides of this issue because I, I see both arguments that are being made. So I want to start with Ryan's point of view here because I like Ryan Tannehill as, as a player, as a person. I think he's, a, he's solid. He's as solid as they come. But I see where somebody might take this the wrong way. But before we get there, Ryan knows that right now he's the starting quarterback with the Tennessee Titans. And as long as he's healthy, that's his job. And he might view it as if I'm mentoring this player, I'm showing him how to steal my job. We've seen we've seen that uh, point of view from players like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Brett Favre when, when it came to Aaron Rodgers along the way. And those are great quarterbacks. And sometimes it can be seen as a little selfish but in ryan's defense you don't necessarily want to help somebody replace you you don't want to look some guy in the eye and be like look i'm gonna help you defeat me because professional sports is competitive that's that's the nature of the beast so not only are you competitive on the field but you're competitive on your roster you're you don't want to help somebody replace you. You don't want to give somebody your job. But on the other side of that, LaShawn McCoy had some comments when he said, If you don't want to mentor a guy, I get it, but don't call yourself a good teammate. If anything happens to you and he needs to replace you, let's hope he's prepared. Winning is the only thing that matters if you're a good teammate. I probably, I probably relate a little bit more with McCoy on this, but... I, I try to see both sides of things. And what McCoy is saying is if Tannehill chooses not to mentor Willis and Willis does not get the full extent of what he could as, let's face it, the future of the Tennessee Titans and something happens to Tannehill, Tannehill gets hurt. Yeah, McCoy's right. You better hope that Willis is prepared to fill in for you. And you can help him do that. Help him learn the playbook. Help him learn how to react in clutch situations. Help him learn those things that he needs to know going into game action. You don't necessarily have to help him beat you, but you have to help him be ready to play if you sprain an ankle, if you tear an ACL, if you get hit wrong, because football is a very violent game, and you, so you cannot assume you will be out there for, for 17 games. That's what... LaShawn McCoy is saying is don't assume you're infallible. Don't assume you're indestructible because if you do that and choose not to mentor him and then something happens to you and he's not ready, that that's kind of on you. And let's be honest here. Malik Willis sooner or later will be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans because while Ryan Tannehill is a solid quarterback, he's solid at what he does. And what he does right now in Tennessee is hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. Now that Tennessee does not have Julio Jones, does not have A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry becomes even more the focal point of that offense. And he's dealt with a few injuries along the way. So if something happens to Derrick Henry again, without A.J. Brown, without Julio Jones, without that 
big time playmaker in the receiving core. Ryan Tannehill's limited, and Malik Willis gives them a level of athleticism and playmaking ability that Ryan Tannehill just doesn't. Malik Willis has a big arm. Malik Willis is mobile. Malik Willis is quick. He's evasive. All things Ryan Tannehill really isn't. Ryan Tannehill is exactly the quarterback you need him to be when Derrick Henry is healthy. If Derrick Henry is not, Malik Willis is who you need. And until we see if Derrick Henry play, can play a full season this year, I believe Malik Willis, before season's end, will be the, will, will be the starter in Tennessee. So we'll, I believe that we'll see sooner or later who is right between Ryan Tannehill and LaShawn McCoy as far as, as, as far as if Tannehill is right to not want to mentor him. Now, I think Malik Willis understands where Tannehill is coming from because he, he weighed in and said that he's spoken to Tannehill and they already have a good relationship. And he does not think that, that Ryan Tannehill's comments were meant to be as a threat to him or, or, or meant to be malicious in any way because Ryan Tannehill said, if he learns from me, that's great. But Malik understands that both he and Tannehill are competitive. It's a competitive league. Every job is competitive. Going back to the accountant's example or the teacher's example, if, if, if your performance suffers, you might be replaced. You might be fired. You might be demoted. You might be moved to another department. But professional sports is put under the spotlight, under the microscope. But the same rules apply. If you're not up to snuff, you get replaced. But it's much more public. And I don't think Ryan Tannehill is fearful of being replaced. I think he's aware that Malik Willis is a young hotshot. And Ryan Tannehill's number one responsibility is to be the best that he can be. Is to, is to give his team the best chance to win as long as he is the starting quarterback. But in the sense of winning, LaShawn McCoy is right. Because if you're under contract with a team... Your job is to help that team win. Even if you get hurt or you don't start, your job is to help that team win. If you're a third-string guy or a second-string guy and you don't get in the game, your job is to, when those first-string guys come to the sideline, you hype them up. You make sure their head's in the game. You help them focus. If you're not out there on that field, you do what you can. Your job as a team is to... Is to Whatever way you know how, win together. And I think that's what LaShawn McCoy is saying. Like I said, I'm somewhere in the middle on this. I don't think Tannehill's required to do anything as far as Malik Willis is concerned. I certainly think it would it would behoove him and behoove the team to make sure that that his backup is prepared in case something happens. In case the physicality of the NFL gets to Ryan Tannehill or in case there's an injury in case what we might see a lot I'm sure because of the differences between Tannehill and Willis as I mentioned before is we might see a few packages in which Malik Willis comes in to be a running threat Malik Willis comes in to run run the option plays so it would it would be beneficial to both Willis Tannehill and the Titans 
if both those guys are ready to play. Take whatever side you will on that. Feel free to let me know in the comments or, or, or online what you think. I'd love to know your thoughts on, on this issue as we've seen now both sides of this argument. Um, and, and I believe, we'll, as I said before, I believe we'll see, see sooner rather than later um, who was right in the situation because I believe we'll see Malik Willis taking snaps for the Titans before the end of the season. Last thing I want to touch on is earlier this week and throughout the last week, the NBA has handed out its season awards. We've seen Nikola uh, Jokic win back-to-back MVPs, and we've seen, and this specifically is what I want to talk about, we've seen John Morant get named Most Improved Player. I have my thoughts on Jokic being back-to-back MVP, but I want to focus in on Ja. Ja Morant is a great player, but we knew that. And I think when it comes to these these awards, um, we forget to actually think about what the name of the award is. Uh, Specifically, we see that with Most Valuable Player. But in this case, Ja Morant is named the Most Improved Player. From when? From a year ago? From ever? Because a year ago, John Morant was still the talk of the NBA. Was still a young superstar in the making. So I'm not sure where you're measuring most improved because last year he was great. And he's still great this year, and I do think he's better this year than last year, but because he was so good last year, I would say the improvement is marginal. And that is in no way a slight against John Morant. If you're gonna if you're gonna consider him for most improved, I would have I would have said rookie year to last year because he and he was still good his rookie year, but last year they made Western Conference play in. Now you say Western Conference play into two scene is a bit is a big jump, and I believe you, and it is, but John Morant's performance did not have the room to grow at the rate a most a most improved player's performance should grow. He was great last year, and he was great this year. And that's why I can think of half a dozen guys that, that were better options for most improved than John Morant. John Morant, more so, should have been considered for MVP. And if it's a case of, oh, he had a great season, he deserves some hardware, then we really need to look at how these awards are handed out. Because if you just think, oh, he deserves something, and then you give him an award that he should not have been in consideration for, we're really taking participation trophies to an extreme. Because John Morant was great last year, and he was great this year. Which is why I consider his improvement year year over year marginal. Because he was always good. Now, the person I would have said first for most improved is Tyrese Maxey because he was good he 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 was a decent piece for Philadelphia last year but this year in all the chaos with Ben Simmons and James Harden and Joel Embiid's injuries Tyrese Maxey proved to be a pretty good number two and and at sometimes number three option a pretty reliable scorer for one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. His growth was tangible. 
and significant, as was the growth of Jordan Poole in Golden State, or the growth of Tyler Hero in Miami, who I believe won, won sixth man of... Nope, that was Marcus Smart, but he also could have won sixth man of the year. Because Tyler Hero was very good for Miami in 2020. But in 2021, he took a very noticeable and very public step back to the point where his name popped up in trade conversations in Miami. This year, he rebounded beautifully and returned to form as the 2020 bubble playoffs Tyler Hero that got the Miami Heat to the NBA Finals. And the Miami Heat have a legitimate chance to get back to the NBA Finals thanks in part to his play. Not to discount Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo or the rest of that really talented, really deep Miami Heat team, but Tyler Hero stepped up again this year. So before you come at me using my, my same John Morant argument against me in favor of Tyler Hero, yes, Tyler Hero was good as a rookie. He, he was good in the bubble. But 2021, he did not play well at all. So, so if you're going to take this award year over year, looking at last year to this year, Tyler Hero is the poster child for this award because he, he fell off last year and he came back strong in 2022 and and to talk about awards as a whole in 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 sports we've seen we need to think about what these awards are saying i've I've already talked about most improved player what i want to talk about to end the show specifically is most valuable player and i will tell you why even though i said john morant had a better case for most valuable player than he did most improved player why i wouldn't have given that to him either Because John Morant missed several games this season, and his team played well without him. We tend now to look at, thanks to, to, um, and I think this really went overboard the year that Russell Westbrook won the MVP, because we were so enamored by the triple doubles, by the huge slam dunk finishes, that we forgot to look at that they lost early in the playoffs, that he was one of the worst jump-shooting players in the league. The team really wasn't better when he was on the floor. And the second word of most valuable player is not most exciting player or best player. It's most valuable player. Now, you could, you could go back in time and... If, if you're a stickler for the wording of the award, take it away from a lot of people. Because you could argue, oh, well, Michael won, won what was it, five of them? And when he left the Bulls, they, they were still good. They were still a playoff team. That had to do with team construction. But at that time, in, in that era of basketball, Michael Jordan was head and shoulders above the rest for a variety of reasons. But a few years ago, I believe it was 2016 or 2016 or 2017, in Major League Baseball, I cannot remember who the third finalist was for National League MVP, not off the top of my head, but two of those finalists were Bryce Harper and Joey Votto. And I believe, I believe Bryce Harper won, if I recall correctly. But neither the Reds led by Joey Votto, or the Nationals, led by Bryce Harper, 
or the third team for that matter, even though I can't remember the, the finalist. I, I talked about this when it happened, so I'll try to find the segment where I'm talking about this particular race and post it as, as a throwback. None of those teams made the playoffs, even though their star players had this in- impressive year. But if we're talking about what the award means, and if you don't truly mean who was the most valuable, then rename the award. I have no problem with that. But if we're talking about value, if we're talking about about most valuable player, how valuable is a player to your team if when they're playing well, when they're 100% healthy, when they have one of their best years ever, you miss the playoffs? What value does that add? What value does that bring to you? If you're talking about a, a valuable player, if you're talking about somebody that brings true value to your team, let's take a look at LeBron James' career timeline. As much as I'm a proponent for Michael over LeBron, let's take a look at LeBron James' career timeline. He gets drafted to Cleveland, and despite not having a great team around him, they consistently make the playoffs. Until he leaves from for Miami. Then they are consistently, for three seasons, the worst team in basketball. Get three consecutive number one picks. Then he leaves Miami to go back to Cleveland. They are instantly, granted with the help of Kyrie and Kevin Love, they are instantly one of the best teams in the NBA. And Miami, at least for the first year, I don't think was, but they rebuilt nicely, but they still weren't the caliber that they were with LeBron. And then LeBron leaves Cleveland again, and instantly Cleveland is in rebuild mode again. Now, in in the three years since LeBron left, Cleveland has built another playoff team, but right off the bat, they were not. And we saw a disaster of an aging Lakers team, so I think it's pretty safe to say that since they they were barely a playoff team or weren't sorry weren't a playoff team with LeBron I think it's pretty safe to say take him off now and they're definitely not a playoff team so that's what I'm talking about when I talk about value does the absence of that player make a significant difference to their presence in the lineup because in the case of that one NL MVP year it really didn't because those teams still missed the playoffs. Now, Jokic has had two great years, but the Nuggets were good both years but have not taken significant steps forward from previous seasons. I I would have given this year's award to Joel Embiid because despite all the craziness surrounding the Sixers, Joel Embiid did what he did and they were the two seed in the East, I believe. That, to me, is the definition of valuable. And the second that Embiid got hurt in that, in that Miami Heat series, we said, series is over. He's out. They're in trouble. That is the definition of value. John Morant got hurt in the Golden State series and 
the Grizzlies went out and still won game five by nearly 60 points. So that in and of itself is not value to that team. I'm not saying John Morant is not valuable because he clearly is one of the best players in this league. But to his team this year, because they were able to play so well in games that he missed, again, because of good depth and good teams, and it's kind of hard to take an MVP take MVP consideration away from a guy because he plays on a good team. But again, the award is called Most Valuable Player. If we're talking about value and the team is the team is still good without its best player. That's not an argument for value. Now, John Morant could definitely be in con- consideration for best player this year, which is why if you want to rename that award, do it. I have no problem calling it the player of the year award or the best player award. I have no problem with that. But for decades, For as long as the award has existed, in any sport, it's been the MVP award. So we really need to take take a second and remind ourselves, what does the V stand for? And the V stands for value. And how much value do you bring to your team if your presence and your absence pretty much result in the same thing when it comes to wins or losses? In the case of the MLB example, it was it was losses. The team was bad with you, and they were bad without you. In the case of John Morant, they were good with you, they were good without you. It might have looked different, but the job, but but the result was still the same. The job still got done. So we really need to either take a look at what the initials of the award stand for, or we need to rename the award. Those are my two cents. Do with that what you will. That is all I have for you this week. For Empire Sports Talk, I am Roman Gennaro. See you next time.